You are listening to the podcast of Open Life Church. We are located in Bonnie Lake, Washington, and meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Bonnie Lake High School. Thank you for taking the time to download our podcast or visit our message archive page at livinglifeopen.com. If you are visiting us on our message archive, I just want to make you aware of two things. First, there's a link just above the audio display where you can download our fill-in-the-blank handout. And second, after you're done listening, we would love for you to follow the link on the upper right side of the page that says Let's Connect. Here you can tell us a little bit about yourself or tell us something that we can pray with you about. Feel free to give us as much or as little information as you'd like. Wherever and however you are listening to us today, we are excited you are here and we hope you enjoy it. Now here's today's speaker. Uh, The book of Luke, we just concluded part nine, but every once in a while in between portions of Luke, Jesus has these moments where he illustrates the truths that he's trying to teach his disciples and those that are the crowds and that are following and looking in. And he takes these principles and he, he creates a story called a parable. And he tells parables so that, this is interesting, we're taught, so that he could keep some from really understanding what he's teaching. Because only those who the Holy Spirit is prompting will be able to comprehend what he's teaching. And so we, we find a moment here where there's going to be this, this interaction with this expert in the law in Luke 10, 25. We're going to find this, this moment where Jesus has an interaction and then he tells a story to prove and illustrate that interaction. And we get to glean some insights from, from really both today. So this is both kind of teaching and parable all in the midst of one. Here we go. Verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So that's his intent. This dude's intent is to test the Son of God. That's, that's awesome. That's, a, that's an important test. Teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, 
And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man, a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I mean, do I really need to even teach this? I mean, isn't that pretty plain what was just communicated there? This is one of those talks where you're like, okay, this is where I'm going to talk for 30 more minutes about something that is really, really, really obvious to everybody staring at me right now and feel extremely awkward for a while. You know, it's like, are words necessary to communicate what... This is the most... But for some reason... God closes the mind of some that they don't get this. Or if they get it, it upsets them. Like they're a little mad. They're a little stirred and on an angry side because the context here is a little bit interesting. Jesus kind of slapping the guy with the whole, like the person he despised out of anybody in the world was a Samaritan. And he's like the hero. Sometimes there's people in our world that are challenged celebrating heroes. They feel threatened and they almost don't want there to be any heroes and just live an average life. Well, I can only imagine. We talked last week, and I mentioned this before earlier, but you know, we talked about blessed are those who have eyes that see. So here we are walking through this passage where Jesus is saying all these individuals, all three saw him. Every one of them. So nobody was blind at all to the man who was half dead in the story. Everybody sees the half dead man. And yet Jesus gives us two necessary elements of growing our faith in life so that we can inherit eternal life, as is the whole issue that's being taught here. He confronted the intelligent expert in the law and points the way to eternal life through confronting, really, his attitude towards people in the world, as we'll dig into here in a second. All of our heart all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind is supposed to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Total surrender to Jesus equals eternal life when we give him all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind. That's choosing to follow Jesus, right? Identify ourselves wholly with him. Do this is what Jesus concludes with. Do this, 
and you will live, he says, in teaching the expert in the law. Do this. It's, an, it, it's, it's something that's called a present imperative. I've talked about this before. But uh, it means that it's constant, that it is always happening. It's something we continually need to do. We continually need to be aware and to actually love our neighbor. Jesus is saying, keep doing these things over and over and over, daily, weekly, and yearly. Not just once a year, but continually. Like It's like our breath. Breathe in, breathe out. It's not an event. It's a culture. It's not an event. It's a mindset. It's Jesus affirming what active faith looks like through the words to this expert in the law who was looking for this massive, you got to realize they're following so many laws. There's hundreds of them. They're trying to obey and they're failing miserably. And Jesus just goes, yeah, those two things. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Done. Isn't that simple? It's the most super simple thing. So two necessarily elements to an act of faith. Number one, love God. Love God. And there's four elements to that. You love God with all your heart. Most of us let the, the things that we cannot do prevent us from doing what we can. And I think if we would shut off our mind for a moment and stop worrying about all the people we're not able to serve and we would serve those who we are able to serve, we would start to make progress. You know, the priest had a lot of excuses why he had to be on his way. The Levite had a lot of reasons why he shouldn't go and defile himself with this man who had been robbed. We're not given his credentials. This was just a man. We have no idea what kind of man, a man. And yet, they did for the one which they wished they could do for everybody, the Samaritan. I've heard that quote by Andy Stanley. He says, do for one which you wish you could do for the whole. Yesterday, I'm walking in this line of, of hundreds of people waiting for meals there at Walmart and the pouring down rain, and I'm just thanking them for being patient. And we start a half hour early with the distribution, and they're cheering. They're like, oh, man, I'm just so excited about this. And I was just talking to them, and this one gal's this family's like, oh, we just love this so much. Thank you so much. Man, the only thing that'd make it better is coffee. And I thought, you know, we did, Starbucks donated coffee to us, and and we had it inside for the volunteers who were setting up early in the morning, and, and not much of it was drank. There's a bunch of cups there. I'm going, I bet there's coffee back there. So I walked. I was like, kept talking to some people, and I made my way back into where the check-in and check-out area was, and I poured a cup of coffee, and I said, well, my mind said, if you're going to take coffee to one person, you better have coffee for everybody. But my heart said, no way. Do for the one which you wish you could do for everybody. So I poured a cup of coffee, and I walked out. Walked around all this work that was being done, made my way to the middle end of the line, kind of, and said, your wish is my command. And she was floored. She was just like, oh, oh. and then I grabbed three volunteers. We had a few extra running around. And uh, I grabbed three volunteers, and I said, hey, whatever coffee's left in here, go serve it to the people in line. So they found things like metal plates and plastic trays, and they started pouring six cups at a time, and were walking it out and serving it to people in line. It was a beautiful moment, because I was like, man, I should practice what I'm about to preach tomorrow. 
Because my mind would have told me, unless I can have 500 cups of coffee, I should never do this. But sometimes we have to listen to our heart. If God speaks to your heart, it's tough, but we must not let our mind get in the way of what God wants you to do. Something, sometimes loving God with all your heart means listening to your heart instead of your mind. So it's like, okay, I'm going to follow my heart here. I'm going to follow my heart. The second way we're supposed to love God, so love God with all of our heart, love God with all of our soul. Wow, this is kind of a, like with all of our soul, with everything in us. I, just, I can't help but when I hear the word soul, I just, I, I backtrack. I'm like, what kind of power? Soul power. Anybody like Remember the Titans? That's a great movie. We got some soul power. Love God with all your soul. Give Him all your worship. Give Him all your honor. Give Him all the praise that belongs to Him, this is saying. Next week we'll look at this more, and the story of Martha and Mary is so descriptive towards what brings our soul peace. But literally this word soul refers to to worship, or like where our soul is at rest is when we're giving glory to God with all of our souls. Our, our soul boiled down to the breath of God. If you look back at the creation story, you know, we're, we're formed and all of a sudden we're just this, this goo until life is breathed into us, right? And praise and worship is nothing more than us breathing that life back to God, saying thank you for our breath. Like that's literally what the word praise means is breath back to God. And so we have this opportunity to give our praise to God. In fact, um, it's interesting because when you need to calm down, and not that this ever happens in my home, I have three girls and a boy, but sometimes there needs to be a moment where some gender in the house needs to calm down. I'm not speaking like biasly at all as one of the males might be the other gender. Not just, you know, these preteen girls, it's like, calm down. Wow, what is this? And is this going to get worse before it gets better? Oh, thank you for that word of affirmation. Anyway, so I was just like, you know, it was crazy. You're just trying to go take a breath. You're being irrational, right? And it's interesting when you take a deep breath, when you just like a mini time out while you're in the presence of someone else. And, you know, it's funny what happens when you actually take a deep breath out loud. <sighs> it does bring peace to your body. It helps you think a little bit. But something else is happening. One of the names for God, God our provider, there's all kinds of names for God in the Old Testament. One is Yahweh. The Lord will provide is what that means. So his name is Yahweh. But it's interesting, when you take a deep breath, Yahweh, it's like you're saying Yahweh. just brings our mind back to, okay, who's in control of everything anyway? Man, if I'm worried, if I'm anxious about anything, I'm really not in control of any of this. It's nothing but a thing. That's what our partner in crime down in Sumner had to think through yesterday. So 
Brent Osborne, the church we helped start down in Sumner, Living Hope, uh, was in charge of the big give down at Fred Meyer. And, and so they were doing their big give. And they successfully fed over 420 families down there and had tons of volunteers as well that they had to cut off volunteerism. It's kind of hilarious. No more but people. Stop. Stop coming. Anyway, so they were, you know, at this moment where they're doing that, they hand out all the food and they're getting right. He's inside paying for the food and and uh, somebody was, they started tearing down. They just forgot one little detail. The computer that they were entering all the data into was still on the table. So when they took down the tarp, the water went. Bye-bye, MacBook. You know, so it was like, uh, I was ouch, it just hurts, takes your breath away to kind of hear that, you know, and you're just like, (sighs) he was way more calm than I would have been, I think, like even in his interaction with me, I was like, what do you do? Oh my word, that is horrible, and, uh, but he was just, you know, hey, I'm here at the Mac store getting a new (laughs) computer so we can do church, you know, (laughs) he's like, I need the computer for church today, down at Sumner Middle School, so I was just like, take a deep breath. Ain't nothing but a thing. It's just stuff, right? God's in control. We can do this. Luckily, now you can just download all the programs offline you need and boom, ready. Wow. So we got to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. With all of our strength. At the end of your life, God is not going to say, well well said, good and faithful servant. Or well thought, good and faithful servant. Or well taught, good and faithful servant. He's going to say, well done. Well done. Now we're human beings, not human doings, but everything that we become by giving our heart and soul to Jesus wells up within us and we should utilize all of our strength to do something right? We can do something. And so we're being told here, if we love God, it's going to overflow in a servant mindset that we are going to do things. We must put our God-given strengths to action serving others is what's being taught. It's our act of worship to God. But we also must put our strengths aside If we're going to worship God with all of our strength, sometimes that means I'm not going to use any of my strength, and I'm going to depend solely on the power that only God could provide for me to accomplish this task that He's put in my heart. So it's kind of tricky. We need to worship Him with all of our strengths, but we need to lay our gifts and strengths aside and depend on God at times, or else really it's self-worship, right? This is a challenging teaching. It's very plain, but it's when you start to really think about it. I was immensely proud of all of you that showed up yesterday and, and served and got wet and very cold together uh, at, at the big give. And watching people lay down their strengths even, watching the different volunteers that showed up, um, superintendents of school districts and uh, principals and assistant principals and leaders of leaders and of leaders out there serving in ways that was just like filling a bag with veggies or something. You know, very simple. 
when they could have very feasibly run the whole event. Creating a platform that would inspire so many people and organizations to come out and serve, just stirring them to give back and serve, that literally how many organizations or events have a problem that have to say, no, no more volunteers, seriously, now. Awesome, glad to have you. Wow, I showed up, and there's like 50 people waiting to volunteer. Like, you're just going, oh my goodness. We started to think, well, we had so many volunteers from Buckley, maybe we should do Big Give. Anyway, then I started thinking that's crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. You start to just see the potential of being able to make an impact and just give back crazy generously. Over 300 volunteers serving over 470 families. More than 2,000 mouths just from the Bonnie Lake event alone will have Thanksgiving food in them. What a blessing to be a part of this community coming together. It's not what we can do. It's what we can inspire everyone to do. And I love that about just taking action, using our strengths, but as well, laying our strengths down to serve others. Finally, we need to love the Lord our God with all of our minds. And this may be the big one. Honestly, I think it may be the big one. Because I think we've intellectually turned off our heart and soul. We're so smart now. There's so much information. We, we have such intelligence and intellectual insight to, like, I was listening on the radio the other day, just driving around, this guy on the radio talking about how he can prove that, that heaven is real. And there's movies. And there's, you know, it's like, now we can prove even the unprovable proof. So it almost doesn't take faith anymore. You know, we've just got our minds so engaged. But at the same time, we're so smart and our minds are so engaged that the everyday reality right in front of us is invisible. I mean, invisible. How many times do you just, you're at a restaurant or wherever and you look and you, at the different people that are out to eat together, but they're out to eat together like this. They're not looking at each other. I, 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 was, I had a guy's night out last night, went to Papa or, or Panda Express, went to Panda Express, we were sitting there and the line was crazy long, they were really slow last night, and, uh, um, and, and it was like, just watching the people in line, engaging in conversation. And then there was just these few that just, I don't think they ever looked up from their phone. And I was just going, we're so intellectually, our minds are so engaged. We're so in so many places at one time that even though we see something, it, we don't even allow our minds to process it. So we can see someone half dead, but we don't even allow our mind to engage it. It just becomes invisible. But yet we looked right at it. Isn't that kind of, it's desensitizing. It's, it's just how easy is it to truly see and not perceive in the world we live in? Because there's so much noise. And we're allowing, sometimes unwisely, noise in. And need, I don't know that we know how to shut it off. 
So then the second thing, so we got to love God, heart, soul, strength, mind. But we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. So love our neighbor. And this is when this gets meaty. This is when it gets really interesting because the expert in the law asks a very bad question. It's a badly formed question. He says, and who is my neighbor? What is his intent in the way this question is asked? This is not the same as the answer Jesus gives. We just put the assumption on, oh, Jesus answered his question. No, Jesus helped him realize his question. They say there's not such a thing as a stupid question. He asked a stupid question because this is the question he asked. He asked Jesus, what must a person do to be qualified for me to love them. Oh, well, you know, well, who is my neighbor? Like, who is worthy, as an expert in the law, who is worthy of my love and care? Who is worthy of that? If I'm to love my neighbor, then, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor, Jesus? Knows up, right? I just like, ah! What must his credentials look like? What clothes must they wear to receive my care, right? What must they smell like? What time of day is best for me to be inconvenienced to love a person? A mere human, right? I don't know. It's just interesting. Put this back. I just look at this and go, wow, put this right back in our context, Yesterday, there were many faces that came out to the big give. Many people entered that line and received vouchers through various spaces and for different reasons. Sure, the main clientele there are those who are familiar with the food bank and received vouchers through a food bank. So yes, maybe some of them are actually homeless or living out of their cars. And, and there's a certain demeanor that comes with that. But there's also people walking up, dialoguing with somebody on their smartphone dressed perfectly normal, kept clean, getting out of a nice car with a voucher because they've landed at a place of need in their life. And we, not, we don't say, oh, well, mm, yeah, what must you look like to receive our service? Let's find out. Let's fill out some paperwork. Let's do No. We have a meal. If you need it, God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. I just find it interesting. I was once a part of a church doing a Thanksgiving event like this. The paper came out, and they were there snapping shots. And the one shot they got was of a guy getting out of a Mercedes, getting a meal. And they're like, church wastes money on the community. And it's like, oh, great. That was awesome. Great press. Any press is good press. Anyway, uh, Jesus comes at this, and he's like, hey, we're not to be the judge of our neighbor. We're to be a good neighbor. It's on us. It's on us. Jesus answers the poor question with a good one. What must you do to be a loving neighbor? Not what should the neighbor do to deserve your love. And he gives us this picture. He answers a poor question with a good one. Jesus first makes it very general. He's like, a man. He could have easily picked on him and said, like specified who the man was. 
But he just said a man, as generic as you can get, just a man. And his specifics were on the people who were walking by, but he's like a man. We don't know where he's from. We don't know his occupation. We don't know if he just robbed the people who robbed him. It's just He's a human being worthy of being our neighbor. And we're supposed to view them as ourself, no matter where they're at in the class scale of this day. Jesus masterfully unpacks this story. And, and I, I could just dwell on it and start talking about the different Pharisees and, and Levites and, and how they don't like Samaritans and how this is insulting. And we'll look a little bit about that. But I started thinking, how could this make the most sense to us? And, and I stumbled upon a video. Maybe you've seen it online. And I thought, this shows us incredibly clearly what it's like to see the need and walk right by it. So watch this video. I think things are incredibly more real than we expect around us. And uh, in passages like this, God's challenging us not to just have eyes that would see, but to be people that would have enough space that we would pray to be those who would actually take action and connect eyes and begin to learn stories. Open life is all about connecting and serving and sharing, connecting with the people. I think that's what this Samaritan does in the story. I love these people that are just like, the, I think her name was Shania who cooks for her family every Sunday, and when she sees her three relatives there, she doesn't even, she just stares at the camera. You can't even, like, my mind cannot comprehend. I just, I, I seeing myself walk by them, but I can't believe I would walk by my family. Husband walking by his wife of 30-some years. I just can't wrap my mind around that, but yet we would all be on that video. But we can't afford to be. Because at any given moment, God's putting people in our story, around our lives, and they're half dead. The world eats them up and spits them out, and it's for us to respond. It's for us to become active. Man, you can watch that on YouTube or wherever, every time. It's it's as impacting as the first time. (laughs) They did an incredible job with that video. And I think that's the inspiration we need to be good neighbors. That's what it takes to engage. That's why we would risk everything in doing an event that costs more than a month of budget to rent a building and everything. We could eat the farm. But you know what? We're not going to walk by our neighbor. We're going to do something. Whatever we can do, we're going to do. So let me just conclude with kind of my own parable. Maybe I was putting myself in the position of Jesus to share this story. I might say, like, there was a man going from Seattle to the Super Bowl. And they came upon some robbers who took his Seahawks jersey. And... 
all of his technology and beat him and left him half dead. A priest happened to go down the terminal where he saw this gentleman about to catch his flight but now was left for half dead and, and passed to the other side and kept on going to his flight. A Broncos fan came down that terminal and saw him, was mindful quickly of the beatings that the Broncos took at the hands of the Seattle Seahawks, and so he walked to the other side of the terminal and kept on walking. Okay, so Jesus was teaching expert of the law, so who would be the most insulting person to use in that illustration? He chose the Samaritan, so okay, third man. 49er fan was walking down. You saw, you saw where I was coming, didn't you? You knew I was going to land there. Wearing a Kaepernick jersey, was walking down the terminal, sees the Seahawks fan, half dead, and crosses over to him. Of course, he's going to offer him wine, just like the story, because of the 40, 40 winers. Okay, anyway. Uh, but, you know, he's just like, you know, tries to mend his wounds, goes with him, stays with him, gives him an open tab at the inn, at the hotel, in hopes that maybe that would earn them favor somehow to win on Thanksgiving night. I don't know how the story would conclude, but definitely not with a victory, hopefully. Anyway, the I just look at this and go, this, is, this could happen today in any of our worlds. And the drama of a half-dead person is spiritually half-dead all around us. And we don't know when we're the interceptor that can just cross the room and make a difference. If we would just cross the room and make an impact in somebody's life. And I hope you have a pit in your stomach from the video, from the thought of even somebody wearing a Kaepernick jersey. Uh, something inside of you, a worship team, you can come up. Something inside of you would say, man, I've got to engage in loving people, not because they've done anything to deserve it, not because of who they are, what their social status is. I just have to meet the need. That we change our mindset, that we would be the connectors, the servers, I mean, the, the sharers and the stories around us. We miss so much if we just keep walking. Because the beauty's in the engagement. So if you, it, hopefully you've filled out your connection card, and on the back side, you could respond. There's many opportunities there. Maybe you need to choose to follow Jesus today. Maybe you've seen Jesus as one who does judge, or the people of Jesus in, in your eyes have been those who do expect you to be something before you're loved. That is a misrepresentation of Jesus. Obviously, he's made very clear here his love is unconditional. He loves every human being. There's no prerequisite. It's a come as you are to Jesus, and he will care for you no matter how dead you feel you are to this world around you, no matter how invisible you feel to the world around you, you're highly valued in the eyes of God. And he wants to challenge us 
to have eyes that would see and be those that would engage the needs. God, man, would you just stir in us, challenge us to be those that would not allow a moment to go by, that our, our lives would be open enough to engage those in need around us. That we would be those who would notice our relative if they're on the sidewalk begging for our money as we walk by. Let our minds, our hearts, our souls, our strength declare love for you. Move us to a place of just deep and passionate worship in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know what the Lord is stirring in you, but um, we like to take a couple minutes here and just allow Him to seal the deal. Maybe you're staring at that connection card. Maybe you have a prayer request or a praise report or a story that you want to share, but let's take a couple moments and reflect on the talk before Jaden comes and, and closes the service today while, while we sing. You can sing the song or just sit there and go, what do I do with this text? today. Thank you for listening to today's talk. If you have a question about what you've heard today or if you have a need we can pray with you about, feel free to click on the Let's Connect or Need Prayer button on the upper right side of the message archive page. Or if you're listening on iTunes, you can always email info at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join in the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can give online at livinglifeopen.com by following the giving tab and clicking give now. We're excited you took the time out of your busy week to listen to our talk. But have you ever thought about visiting us on a Sunday morning? We meet at 10 a.m. each Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School. We would love to see you on a Sunday, and then you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing online. Finally, stay up to date with everything Open Life by visiting livinglifeopen.com, following us on Twitter, or liking us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day and week.